Why being neurodivergent shouldn't stop you from being a top SEO with Heike Knipp. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. What exactly does being neurodivergent mean? And how does it impact someone's role as an SEO? And how can you better assist someone who's neurodivergent in your team? That's what we're covering today with a man who recently ran the Brighton Marathon. He's passionate about using his neurodivergence to his advantage, and he specialises in on-site and technical SEO. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, the founder of the good SEO company, Heike Knipp. Thank you for having me, um, and happy to join the show. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Heike, and good to have you on. Well, you can find Heike over at thegoodseocompany.com. So Heike, love the brand, The Good SEO Company. How did you come up with that? It's quite simple, actually. It's like I had to look around, and when I saw the name, and I saw, strangely enough, nobody ever took it. I thought, like, let's take it. <laughs> Simply a step. It's strange, isn't it? You, you, you think that... Um, certain domains that you absolutely love or phrases that you love will be taken then when you find out they're available. Wow, that's incredible. But um, it's certainly memorable. So I, I thought I'd ask you about that. So let's get into the core topic though. So what, what exactly does being neurodivergent mean? Being neurodivergent means is, let's say that you have um, one of the conditions, let's say as an example, there are multiple of them. One of them can be your autistic, you can have ADHD or dyslexia, you have a combination of them. But you have also things, let's say, like bipolar, OCD, dyspraxia, and other conditions that fall under that. And normally, uh, I like to use the term neurodivergent because most people that have one of them normally has also one of the other ones. So there's always a leakage. Let's say more and more studies are showing that let's say, for example, autism and ADHD are more interlinked than people thought before. Because most of the people that have been diagnosed in the past or being diagnosed with either of them, also on the long run, get diagnosed with autism or ADHD as well. As myself also, I have both of them. I'm in the process of getting my ADHD assessed at the moment. Unfortunately, it's a waiting list of uh, 15 years on it here in the UK. <sighs> But hopefully that that gets done because it was just a step-by-step process. The only thing what I need to say with it, the way how they assess things and like that, it is still based on a little bit of traditional methods that are not really more suitable for these days. So I think there's some modernization needed also in that. But that's a whole different story before I start on that. So you're also a neurodiversity trainer as well. So what does that involve? All that enforces, let's say, uh, to explain to people, I can explain what are the benefits and what are the pluses. And like, say, for example, in SEO, let's say it can be quite beneficial to have sometimes neurodiversity. Because one of the things is, let's say, what can help with that is because with, for example, if you have ADHD, you're really good problem solver, you're really good in looking at outside of the box because most people that are neurodivergent, they are creative people because if you look within, let's say the creative industry, a big part of the people there are not all of them, but all they have treats of neurodiversity or like that, because we think outside of the box, we think 
wider. Because the thing is also, let's say, if I have it, I love problems. That's why I love SEO also. Somebody comes to me, I have a problem, and I find a solution for that. So I have a look at 110 different things at the same time to see how we can have that solved and how we can help that. And that's the same thing if, let's say, I, if I give the training or something like that. We have a look, what is the issue? How can we improve it? Where uh, are the benefits? How can this improve the productivity in your company? Because one of the things that I say, and this is like what most business owners like, people that are neurodivergent are normally, if you provide the correct communication, much more efficient than your neurotypicals. Because again, if you have clear communication, that will work. Okay. So you've talked about a lot there as well. I'm just um, trying to decide on which threads to pull on and uh, go a little bit further down as well. You, you mentioned that um, it can actually be helpful to your role, but also you touched upon the fact that if someone's not asked the right way, then perhaps it can be challenging. So maybe w- what are examples of not being asked the right way and maybe someone with neurodivergence either not getting or being uncomfortable with the way they're asked? Communication is for each person different. Let's say I'm just going to use myself as an example. Uh, I like direct communication. It needs to be clear and precise. Don't, let's say, here in the UK, in England, it's like sometimes you want to be polite. So you talk around the subject and like that. So that's not beneficial because especially if somebody who is neurodivergent, we like to have information directly. Yes, I like it. No, I don't like it. It's the same thing. How I like to communicate with people is directly. It's let's say, this is the issue. We need to have a problem solved. So that is the biggest thing. But yeah, it, it's not one rule fits all. It is really unique per person because it depends also where you're on the spectrum. It depends a bit on how you're happy to communicate. It's let's say... It is not maybe too 100% relevant, but it's just, let's say, and think what people think is, let's say, if people have autism, people think you don't want to socialize, which is wrong. There are many people that are autistic, they like to socialize, but it needs to be in certain settings. It can be, it's, let's say, it depends on the information from the outside, what they get, and again, also the communication, etc. Before I keep on talking, uh, and do interrupt me if I do, it really has to do with communication and yeah, I can't stress enough. It is good if you have somebody you think in your team or it doesn't even matter if it's in your workplace, but also your friendship group or your family. It's always good if they are happy to do and never out anybody on it. How best is the way to communicate with them? Because it can be different things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm natively British and I can openly criticise British people. And I think in general, British people are fairly poor at getting to the point, uh, being definitive in terms of what they're saying and use a little bit too much flowery language sometimes and, and in the hope that people understand the, the, the feeling, understand the feeling underneath what they're trying to request as opposed to actually be definitive in, in the request. And I found it important to be more definitive, certainly around people who don't have English as a first language. Uh, I'm around people like that quite a lot. And, and if you're not definitive in how you're articulating your request, then 
people find it challenging to understand you. Is that comparison between people who maybe don't have English as a first language and don't fully appreciate or understand the intricacies behind the language? Is that similar to people, the challenges that people face who have autism? But Or, or, or is it not, not a reasonable comparison? I, I think it is a reasonable comparison. It's, let's say it has also to do with nationality. So it's, let's say, let a, a set aside just the neurodiversity, even if in the Netherlands we are quite direct. Yes, it's yes, no, it's no. Again, clear communication. And just to say also, if you do that clear communication within a company, normally your whole team benefits from it because even the people that are not within the spectrum, they learn also to communicate in a better way because, again, one of the nice side effects of being quite clear with your communication, everybody gets it. So that's one of the benefits. So even aside from the neurodiversity, I think clear communication in general is quite good. It's like the only person I, one time somebody said, the only people that are more direct than the Dutch are the Australians. <laughs> so if an SEO manager has a fairly diverse team, perhaps someone who's neurodivergent on there as well, or uh, people that are different preferred communication styles, what's maybe the best way to get the most out of those people and to have those team members enjoy being part of the team? I mean, should, uh, for example, they have a conversation with them initially about their preferred communication style? Oh, definitely. Again, like what I said, it is for everybody in a different way, how they prefer to work, how best they fit within a team. Because it can be even some people that are great in SEO, but they can't work within a team, let's say in an office space. But you can have a look what kind of additional support you can give around that. I know somebody who is great in coding, but he doesn't want to pick up the phone or anything. He just wants to be talked to with by email. So again, yes, you need to sit down with everybody, have a look what is the support you need. How do you want to communicate? Is let's say because also a support, you need to have a look if somebody is within the autistic or ADHD spectrum and they have a meltdown or overstimulation uh, when sometimes it gets a bit too much. What is the protocol then? Is there a quiet room so they can go sit down 10, 15 minutes, calm down and like that? So there's a whole conversation behind it to have a look how best to put it in there. But I'd say is, let's say, especially with SEO in the loop, I think all those additional things which you can do outweigh by far the positive things that people with neurodiversity can bring into an SEO team just because of their different way of looking at things and also finding new solutions to it. Also, if anybody is listening, if something is, let's say, employers say, if it is a money issue, there is within the government the access to work scheme, just to mention it. And this is funding for up to £66,000 a year at the moment. I believe next year it will go up to 67. And that is for the purpose of keeping people within the company uh, event working. So, and that can be support from something simple like software, but it can be also as far as getting somebody to support them, VAPA, coaching, etc. So it can be quite a lot. You won't get 66,000 all the time, but it is, let's say, it's a maximum of the depth. Depends on the needs and like that. 
Yeah, I, I think that's important um, to, to, to think about. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a UK example that you, you've given, but uh, I think most countries around the world uh, will kind of have some kind of additional support for neurodivergent people, uh, other people that um, you know, have different disabilities or um, other challenges um, that, that want to work, but maybe can't work in a completely conventional way as, as, as part of the team. So perhaps there's a budget available for someone to be an assistant or, as you mentioned, software as well. So great point there as well. I, I, I just want to mention another point, one other point as well. I, I, while you were talking previously, actually, and I was thinking about the fact that um, maybe as a team leader, uh, many SEOs, uh, SEO managers would want to do something like if they've got a team of six or 12 SEOs once a week, get that team together and maybe get each individual to contribute and, and share things. And perhaps that's not an entirely fair way to do things if people feel under stress or under pressure to talk in public as, as part of the team. And, and maybe uh, that manager needs to have a think about other ways to let those, individu- let those individuals contribute and articulate uh, their, their views, perhaps on an individual basis instead of um, publicly like that. But that, that, that was more of a comment there um, for myself. Um, I, I just wanted to cover one more topic, and that was re- recruitment. Now, you, you touched upon the fact that maybe budget could be available, but as part of the recruitment process, um, maybe the questions that the people are asked, is, is there anything that interviewers can do to give people like this a, a fairer opportunity? Oh, oh, most definitely. There's a lot of things uh, in the recruitment sector that can be done. One of the things is the biggest thing is at the moment still if the bias thinking about people that are neurodivergent, just to say is let's say 78% of people that are autistic at the moment, a lot of latest data that I read can it can change, said that they are unemployed. But a good chunk of it is not that they don't want to work, but they are they don't want to be they're not getting hired because also another uh, statistic what was done is let's say on, on the managers that hire. Fifty percent of the managers won't hire somebody who's neurodivergent just because of the idea that they don't know. So the in the recruitment is, and this is a whole topic of itself, uh, there's a lot that needs to change the questioning and the way how we do interviews. Because the thing is with that is, let's say, for me, if I do recruitment, I go and apply for jobs and like that. It's normally not that I need so much extra time. And some people do. Sometimes it is necessary for them. But for me, it is more difficult sometimes to ask to answer the question. Sometimes you get these case studies. Is let's say Bob and Harry having a fight over the water cooler. What for me is let's say for other people say like, oh, what you gonna do there? Other people, oh yeah, I'm gonna ask my line manager. For me, the questions popping directly is like, why are they fighting? Are they raising their voice? Are they punching each other? Are they this, 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 and this? So for me, again, it's the clear communication. They need to say, let's say, I, I simplify it a little bit. It's like Harry is speaking angrily at Bob about what happened last weekend. So it is more clear. And so then I can say, it's like, okay, something happened during a session at work in the weekend. Okay, let me report this to the line manager or the manager or whatever is the protocol within that company, what to do. So again, it's just a bit of the red line drafting. It just comes down to communicating. That's the biggest thing. And also the way how it needs to be communicated because 
one thing is also to remember with people with ADHD, especially also in effect with autism, is you can get quite overwhelmed with forms, especially if there's a lot of questions. Is let's say, especially with me with ADHD, sometimes on a personal level, not on a business level, just to say, not with my client, it's like prioritizing what is the most important is difficult. So if I see a lot of questions, I already go switch off and that's it. Look, this is a thought-provoking conversation. It's it's by no means a comprehensive coverage of, of what managers and leaders need to think of in organizations, but hopefully it's a starting point uh, for people to become a little bit more of the issue, uh, aware of the issue. And it gives people an opportunity to start researching into it a little bit more, considering their communication and considering their processes and, and how they can give people with neurodivergence uh, a greater opportunity or a more equal uh, opportunity with other people out there. So thanks for sharing that with us. So moving on, let's finish off with the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results from modest levels of effort? I always say have a look at your content. Content is normally always the most important one. That's one of the examples uh, that I always use for clients is let's add one client. She was on page five, six, seven, eight uh, for cookery courses for the DLV. By just doing simple updates within her cookery courses on her website, uh, at the moment she dominates the first, second, and third position all over the internet. Just on that. Probably also lovely that maybe the competitors are not using SEO company also. That's always a benefit. But it shows that even with small little tweaks, and this was not a comprehensive overall the website, oh, we're going to buy 100 backlinks, we're going to do this, we're going to do internal linking. But it is just simply by providing good quality content on the website that answers the questions of people online, made a big impact. And this was maybe a couple of hours of work what had a big impact on the whole scene and they're still there so that's a good thing absolutely i've been your host david bain you can find heike knip over at the good heike thanks so much for being on the in search seo podcast you're more than welcome and i really enjoyed it and thank you for listening check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the rank ranger platform over at rankranger.com. Yeah.